Hi, you're listening to Creatrix Culture. I am your host, Sarah Wolf, and today we are here with Tammy. Tammy. <laughs> Period. I'm Tammy. <laughs> She's Tammy. We, this is going to be a fun episode because this is actually the first ever two-parter yes. that we're going to be doing. And we, this is a before and after. So we are coming to you before we go to a woman's sure. retreat on Thursday, the 21st, we will be in the desert for five days for a very immersive, deep women's retreat. Um, and then we are going to come to you like a couple weeks after we've came back to civilization and integrated and we will do a follow-up. So that will be the second half of this podcast to see if we changed, <laughs> <laughs> if our lives are over. Yeah. Or if we like, you know, or we're the same, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever been to a retreat before? I was trying to think back. I don't think I've ever been to a retreat. I've never been to a retreat. No. I mean, I've been to camps and stuff, but they were all like cheerleading camps. So it's quite the opposite of that's like... what girls named Tammy do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really like self-reflection. It's just kind of like performance and dancing and yeah. spirit sticks. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't even go to dance camp. Uh, the only camp I went to was in elementary school in sixth grade. You got to spend like Outdoor one science weekend. School that's what yours was called oh yeah ours is called outdoor science school I went to like big bear for like the weekend yeah yeah we did something similar we went to this place long lake and then we all got to like stay in cabins yeah, for the weekend. yeah. I don't remember what it was called but I had a name it wasn't called that yeah um but yeah I mean it's, it was kind of funny because I was thinking about it yesterday and I was like for all the years that I've been in like the spirit world I've never been to a retreat well, right? no, like but not you've gone yoga. to like a lot of like ceremonies and, you know, yeah. things like that. So it's like the like pre-retreat. It's pre-retreat. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I went, when I went and studied Doring Virtue, I went to Hawaii for like five days with like 500 uh, light workers around the world, which oh, was pretty amazing. Great. But that wasn't really retreat. Like we're actually getting certified and like learning stuff. So now what's super cool is... Um, I'm going to be partially facilitating it, which is amazing because I get to do my sound bath for everybody. And um, they're amazing. Thank you. So that's going to be fun to kind of have like a little bit more like uh, of a role in yeah. it. But then the rest of the time I get to like lay back and be retreated. Yeah. Which is like super cool because you don't have to do anything like they do it all for you. I'm so excited they're like you don't have to cook or clean or or do any you don't have to even lift your finger I don't even have to like do anything that I do like seven days a week right I'm like so excited I know and I don't have to feel bad if I'm like not cleaning something because <laughs> like when I go to the land like I always you know try to like help out with something yeah but like I don't have to because yeah, I'm retreating I'm always like oh here let me clean this let me do that let me yeah and like know. the biggest thing about this is to really allow yourself to kind of like like kind of a surrender and allow like yourself to be um nurtured nurtured and taken care of and what's the other receive this is like a really big um lesson in receiving oh I'm so excited I need this so yeah <laughs> which okay so this retreat is a uh, a woman's retreat so there won't be any men there'll be one man on the land but we won't see him because he actually stays inside um while we're out and then he'll come out at times when we're not around um it's Liza's husband who has been living there because he 
had some like freakish uh, thing happen to him where he was like working outside of their place. They lived somewhere else. And he like, just like went from zero to a hundred and like lost all mobility and like ended up in the hospital for like, I think it was like two months or something. And they couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. They finally figured it out. I don't remember what it is, but he's been in like recovery of like gaining his strength back. So oh my gosh, how scary. Yeah. They moved to the land for him to just kind of like recover. And then they help out with a lot of stuff there now, but wow. Mm-hmm. But so is Bobby not going to be there. Oh yeah. But they're not staying the whole time. I oh, forgot about Bobby. You're right. Just so one night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, they might, who knows? They might come in Thursday, you know, and then, but they definitely leave like Saturday. Okay. And then I heard they have something to do back here in LA on Saturday. So what's cool about this retreat, do you want to tell about, about what's cool about this retreat? Because you and I both don't really know and I'll fill in the gaps, but Tammy, what's super cool about this retreat that most people wouldn't get to do at other retreats. Do you know what that is? Um, plant medicine yes but why is this even different than most people that would go to a retreat and take plant medicine I don't know oh let me tell you (laughs) um so they're bringing in this couple who I've only heard amazing things about yeah and why this is really unique in doing the plant medicine is that they don't not everybody does the same thing yes so they have a call with you beforehand to see what your relationship with plant medicine is to let you know who they are um and that was a really beautiful connection to have and then they kind of see like where you're at where are you wanting to go so then the night of ceremony where we do the plant medicine they're going to recheck back in with each one of us And based on where we're at in the moment and where Peggy, so it's Peggy and Bobby, it's a married couple, um, where she, apparently she's super in tune psychic and what she feels intuitively and kind of them both together, but she's kind of more heads the the intuitive side. Then they literally concoct you medicine and not all of it's psychoactive either. Some of it's just like flower essence. Orchid Mm -hmm. and like lavender, like Mm -hmm. different kind of different stuff that's going to medicinally help you where you're at too. And then I know they give like sassafras and there'll be psilocybin. Um, There is talk about some psilocybin ayahuasca chocolate that you could be given at the end of the night. But apparently um, the shaman that concocts all this stuff, he extracts out the part that makes you purge on the ayahuasca. So it's like a nicer, mellower ride and not as some big intense purging fest. Yeah. But I think it's super cool. It's very um, nine perfect strangers. Seven. Is it nine? Yeah, or seven. Is I don't so, know. That's many, what I've been. Or is it nine? I don't know. Let's look. Seven to nine perfect, perfect strangers. strangers. <laughs> you know, I've... a really great book and a very popular HBO TV show. But that's how I've been describing it to people. Yeah. Because um, I'm like, oh, I'm going on a women's retreat from Thursday to Monday. And they're like, what are you doing there? I want to go. And I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm like, it's kind of like seven perfect it's nine. It's nine, nine perfect nine strangers. Perfect yeah. And everyone's like, oh my God, I want to go. And I'm like, I know I'll go first. I'll let you know how it is. Yeah. I'll be the one. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've only heard like amazing things and people have came out of this and had like just life, a life-changing experience and have really like healed a lot and opened up a lot. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I was kind of like reflecting on the questions. Do we want to jump in on the questions? Because I kind of feel like it's the segue of, I I brought them in here of like the next thing I want to kind of dive into about, about it being a woman's retreat. So 
they gave us three questions on, we had like a, a pre-retreat call a couple of weeks ago to kind of just start getting the energies together and stuff. And so they gave us three questions that they wanted us to journal before we went. Did you journal them yet in your new journal? No, I was going to talk about it right now. Great. She hasn't journaled them yet. So I'll give her the transcript and then she can just copy down what she says in her journal. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to actually go through the questions right here and answer them. I journaled mine. And <laughs> Sarah's a facilitator, so she's on top of it. So I need to make, be a good role model for now. And then we're going to kind of just give our answers and talk about it. And then I want to, I want to lead in because this has to do with a lot, the whole like feminine uh, aspect that I want to dive into on this. So the first question is, are there any layers or fears and or resistance that comes up a, around being in that stillness and or silence? So to preface this question a little bit, there is going to be, especially going into the night that we do the plant medicine ceremony, there is going to be hours where we're being asked to like not speak to each other. And there's going to be a lot of time throughout this where we're going to be asked to kind of spend some time in reflection and within our own being. That's so. Great. That being said, for me personally, when I sat down with this question, even when I heard them talk about it, there's no resistance for me that comes up in being in silence. I'm actually completely okay in silence. I spend a lot of time alone. I did do Vipassana uh, meditation for 10 days where I couldn't look at anyone or talk to anyone for 10 days. I do love to talk, probably why I have a podcast, but I also do spend a lot of my days not talking to people as well. I'm just here in my house kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, it's easier when you live on your own. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually took three days, uh, cause I was in the self-development course years ago and they wanted us to do three days of silence, like go out to somewhere like by yourself and not talk to anyone for three days. And I was married then. And I like had a dog and I had a, a job that required me to speak called waiting tables. Yeah. It wasn't, um, it wasn't appropriate for me to do. Yeah. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, when they took everyone away from us, I was like, dope. Yeah. I told all my neighbors, I'm like, well, if you see me outside, don't talk to me. I'm going to do three days of a vow of silence. Dope. But then all these people kept talking to me. So <laughs> carry a notepad yeah. with you. So you can just be like, so I feel like where the resistance came in or a fear for me was around the silence in when I'm in plant medicine. And not that we can't, we can talk during plant medicine, but plant medicine, you know, sometimes makes you go so internal and my resistance to plant medicine anyway, being around a group of people is a lot of time. I don't like people yeah. when I'm on it. And yeah. I think people are weird yeah. and I see things in them. Like yeah. I really don't want to see yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Some weird ass flaws or some like weird, like psychic things come to me. I think that's what kind of scares me the most about it. And being going too far into my own head. And if it goes to the dark side wrote that, like, I'm going to go and have a whole stressful night, like in the dark side. Yeah. In my head and my own silence. And I think, so that's where my resistance fear comes up um, for me. So handing it over to you. I mean, I am so excited to not have to talk. <laughs> like I um, have, I mean, it wasn't until recently when I realized that I've spent the better part of most of my existence being around people and not being alone. I think the longest period I've ever been completely alone by myself was 
this year and it was for about like one week or maybe less and I didn't even know that I had never really been on my own up until this point I mean I taught cheerleading camps for a company when I was younger and we used to have to fly out to um, other states and stuff and there was a couple times where I was on my own but it's not like I was just completely by myself like I would get to the hotel and I would instantly make friends with whoever was working at the hotel so that way I could be with somebody because I just realized that I was never on my own up until this year and so it was a big revelation for me I was like is this the longest I've ever been by myself? And I was like, this is crazy. I'm 35 years old and maybe I've spent like before this two day, three days on my own mm-hmm. period. And before that, none, maybe, maybe I don't even know. And now this year, like a week. So, and I realized that I was like, I really like being by myself. I like being alone. And then I would like do these meditations and I was like in the bathtub and I was, I was like roaring like a tiger and I would like get louder and louder and louder. till I was like screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm just like, and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm never by myself. I never yell. I am a very like self-contained person that's always like around someone else's energy and this was the first time I was like oh I like my own energy I like being alone I could be a witch in the forest yeah (laughs) Uh, if I could have another life right or in a past life and so for me I'm actually you know really excited because I have heard of people who went on like a vow silence before and I was just like oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. Because then I also heard the people were like, oh, you realize how crazy you are because you have all these thoughts going through your head constantly, but it's just you and you're just listening to them all the time. And you're just like, whoa, I think way too much. I need to like calm my mind out. I need to like empty my brain and Mm -hmm. just kind of like come into my body more. And so I'm like on a journey from my head into my body right now and so I'm nice. actually really excited yeah. for quiet time and stuff like that and I also get like I'm not the weird one when I'm on drugs other people are the weird ones when they're on drugs I'm just like I'll be the judge of that <laughs> when I'm on plants and so like this I'm like hey oh okay like oh wow like and then I honestly think I'm like just this more calm, mellow version of myself, even though my self sober is actually pretty mellow and calm. But like when I'm on like mushrooms and stuff like that, I'm just like, so almost like childlike, like, wow, this is amazing. But other people's energies definitely affect me more. And I'm Mm -hmm. definitely like, oh, I cannot hang out next to this person. I can't even sit next to this person. Mm -hmm. Oh, this person is talking way too much and they're just ruining my night. and I I don't feel like I'm ever that person but you know who knows yeah yeah people that's that's the thing too is like people's energies yeah like that is when your energy is so it's like everything you know and it's when when you're 
enwrapped into like a sexual relationship with someone or you're in a marriage or you're in a relationship or you're even like working somewhere and then you take yourself out of those things it's crazy how much you see of what energy was not yours yeah and how much you're carrying and it wasn't like when I got out of something recently and like pulled myself out of the energy I was like holy shit all of this energy is not even mine. Like all, like half of these thoughts aren't mine. Half of what's happening to me is not mine. Like I literally just, it infused into me. Yeah. And like, I was like, holy shit. Like it was such a like wake up call that like, we really need to be more mindful of who we are. Like the whole thing about like who, you know, the, the first five closest people to to you or the, who you become or whatever, but because in a sense that is true and it's like you take on their energy and like you can take on their stress you can take on their hurt you can take on their darkness you can take on their trauma their wounding right yeah and then when I started like spending more time alone and doing some really deep healing I realized like holy shit so much of this energy that I was carrying wasn't even fucking mine yeah and I'm like good yeah Right. I mean, yeah, I have now my things, you know, but I was like, that's so I've started getting really more mindful of like, who am I spending time with? Yeah. Who am I engaging in sexual activities with? Who in the future do I even want to partner up with? Not just like, oh, you know, something and like there's more factors to it than yeah, than these things that were never taught where these things can really disrupt your flow of your life. Really? Yeah. I never... And I'm a very intuitive person and I'm, I'm actually a very sensitive person, but I think that through the years, I like had to be so strong and so tough and, and stuff. And I've been put through so many different situations that like required me to like have self-control or, you know, you know, just things like that, where you're like, oh, this isn't even my energy. And Mm -hmm. like when you're highly sensitive to other people's energies and stuff, you're just like, oh, this person is really kind of like affecting me, but you don't realize how much you're actually taking that on. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you're carrying their stuff for them Mm -hmm. because they've just like unloaded it onto you. And you you didn't even realize that the transfer had happened. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I need to like protect myself more. Mm -hmm. I need to be more aware of like, doing this or maybe just like in Reiki they teach you how to like cut your cords and so like if you have this experience with someone that energy transfer they attach a cord to you and basically they end up staying stuck onto you and so it's like cutting your cords and doing all this stuff is actually just essential and necessary for every single human like every single day, mm-hmm. because it could be the most random thing. You could go into a grocery store and there could be just be somebody standing next to you that all of a sudden is just like focusing on you somehow. Like I'm also very aware when I'm like, like yesterday I was walking into the Canyon store and there are these two people just like staring at me the entire way that I went in. And I kind of get this like awkward sense. I need to like chalk up or become tough or be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, what are you staring at? Or like, like they're just being like, little vampires. Or I'm just like, hi, hello. I like look look at them directly in the eyes because then I'm like, hello, and then they just kind of like continue looking at me, and I'm just like, why are you gonna stare at someone like that? And then if they like acknowledge you, just be like, 
freaking energy vampires weird you know and so it's like or like even if you're driving and someone something happens and someone overly like honks at you and freaks out at you have you noticed that where their energy transfers into you and I've had it or even when I was waiting tables and a customer like overly would freak out at me over something dumb and their energy would sit in me yeah for like sometimes three days yeah yeah, and people be like oh you need to just get over it you need it like you don't understand another it went inside of me it's not coming out yeah they like infuse me with their fucking toxic yeah slime energy grossness yeah Another thing that I wanted to say about kind of like what we were talking about yesterday, which I, um, with the whole silence thing is why a lot of people, you know, the people that really have a hard time with silence is I know there's been a few people in my life that they don't want to be alone and they don't want to be in silence and they don't want to be in sober silence basically. Yeah. Um, because they're too afraid of their own mind. Yeah. And whatever that does. So why a lot of people fully distract themselves and we're built into a society of complete distraction and noise pollution. And it's all like, I'm such the opposite. I'm like, turn that fucking thing now, make it stop. Like, because I'm like, I can't hear myself think like, it's just too loud. I don't want to be checked out of it. Yeah. But people are so scared of their own minds or their own person that they need these constant, they need to be with someone 24 seven. They need to have, you know, music or TV or anything going on to take them out of themselves because they don't know how to sit within themselves. Yeah. When the reason for that is that like your, your inner self is just asking to be healed and heard so much, but they're too scared to do it because there is that uncomfortable period in the beginning of like going into it and starting the healing and it can be really painful, but it's so necessary to find yourself underneath all that and get to that point where you are okay with being in silence and being alone because it's not that scary. No, it's not. And it's like, you can't even just like be chill by yourself. Like how can you just be chill with other people in general? Like, Mm -hmm. and also it's just like, sometimes there's just too many thoughts and there's too many things. And with like, especially I find like after the pandemic, I'm like, okay, this nation has a, an addiction problem, like serious addiction problem. Like people have become serious alcoholics or drug addicts or are dependent upon something. Mm -hmm. And also our attention span is just zapped. It's Mm -hmm. completely zapped. We have this, this whole country, the whole world is suffering from attention deficit disorder and addictions and stuff like that, because we all went into our corners, into our rooms, into our houses and closed the doors. And we just sat and watched TV for hours or did things for hours and hours. And there was, I I taught myself how to play the piano. Mm -hmm. So I was one of those people who did stuff. I also worked out really, really hard every single day in the beginning of the pandemic, because I had gained weight working, Sarah and I worked in the same restaurant um, in Laurel Canyon, and it's an Italian restaurant, and they feed us pizza and pasta every night as like a family meal, Mm -hmm. and I eat gluten-free, but, you know, when you start, uh, it's not, I don't have celiacs, it's just a health choice, because I feel better, I look better, I'm happier, 
And when I started working there, I was like, oh, well, I mean, I'm going to try the food, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try this pizza and I'm going to try this pasta because it'd be like a different thing every day. And so I was just kind of like already starting this habit of being not my healthiest version of myself. And then the pandemic came around and I was just like, all right, now I have time to do the things that I want to do. And so there was almost like these like two sets of people during the pandemic. There was like people who like did stuff and learned things. And then there was people who like didn't do stuff and didn't learn things. And were kind of like, oh, you're not one of those people who like did something during the pandemic, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Actually, I taught myself how to play the piano. And they're like, oh, wow, how did that go? I'm like, great, I love it. I'm actually really good at it. And they're like, oh, wow, like that's crazy. And I'm like, me, I know it's crazy. Like, but you could be really good at something. And if you had all this time, like, how long have we been like, oh, if I just had the time, mm-hmm. we had the time yeah. and it was up to you to do something. It was personal choices. And like, I did puzzles and I did things that required a lot of re- requirement of my attention and things like that. But I did also smoke exponentially more amounts of marijuana than I did before the pandemic, because I was like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. You know, it was like five o'clock, three, four. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to start smoking now because we're stuck in the house. We can't do anything. I'm going to lay out on my roof. I'm going to go for a hike. In the beginning, it was really nice because there was like a sense of community. You'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, you'd like see your neighbors. And then it got to that weird point where it was like, people were like, someone yelled at me for like, walking down my street without wearing a mask. And I was literally four doors down from my house. And this lady shouted at me from across the street, like, you're not wearing a mask and all this stuff. And I was like, why are you yelling at me? And you're like literally 20 feet away from me. I, I didn't even have to talk to you. I didn't need to let my particles yeah. out of my mouth more than this. <laughs> you're the one who's making me do it. So like people became this like hypersensitive versions of themselves yeah and that's the thing it's like everybody became hypersensitive and just like set in their own specific ways and all this stuff and that energy wasn't a really great energy for this world it was Mm -hmm. just like well this is my way this is my view and this is right because I'm in my house by myself or with this person and this is what we believe now well we're following the rules yeah and you're not following the rules so it's not it wasn't even like they were like a lot of people talked about it wasn't even if like some people even fully believed that let's say the masks worked or not it was more of like are you following the rules yeah it also goes into the category of like the tribe mentality and like um when you're in a like tribal community or you want to be accepted by the tribe the experiment kind of to that is like people get really angry if you're not part of the tribe, if they need to be part of the tribe, mm. if they're they're too scared to like go against the tribe because they don't want everyone to hate them. So anyone that was not going along with the tribe, didn't matter what the tribe was doing. And as we've seen, the tribe has shifted their, like, you know what I mean? Over time now, even just before the pandemic till now, right? For one example, the the tribe was my body, my choice, right? And then once the vaccine came out, it was no longer my body, my choice. And now those same people are being like, I hope you fucking die if you don't get it and you need to do your part and da da da. And it's like, because they're still in tribe, tribal mentality, right? So any person that's going out of tribal mentality, 
it's not even, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You're just out of tribal, you're, you're going out of tribal mentality. So therefore you must be punished. Yeah. I luckily just, uh, I walked every single day around this entire neighborhood with no mask and my dog throughout the entire thing for two years. And I don't know why no one said anything to me. Yeah. And I think they just like knew that this girl and her dog, like I just stayed that course. Right. I don't know. Um, I mean, I was other places and people yelled at me. I put the mask on, like I'd hook it on like one ear. And then like, if I pass people, I would like hold it over my mouth just so like I made them feel more comfortable while also making myself feel uncomfortable. I was like, well, I don't have it. Um, I'm fine, but you know, I'm going to appease these people. So I'll do this 50%, like half on my face, half off thing. Yeah. I would just kind of like move into like the street or something. I just, if someone was coming, I just kind of like scooted into like a different area, except for on Ventura. I just didn't fucking care. Yeah. Because I'm like, we're outside. And if you're so scared, then be one of those people that stay home because I'm not scared. So like, I'm going to continue to live my life and we're outside and we're outside. Yeah. (laughs) So like, you know, yeah. Um, those are probably people who are also like uncomfortable being silent and being with themselves probably because they're just like, need to be a part of a group to fit in and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, if you go through life and you look at people that were, uh, any sort of like big figure in, but well, let's just use Jesus for an example. I mean, the biggest figure of all time, right? What's so interesting about it is Jesus went against the grain on everything, yeah. right? He was so like, and he got killed for it, yeah, right? And everyone hated him. Not everyone. I mean, he had his followers, but right? He yeah. was that person. He was out of the tribal mind. And it was a threat to what the Pharisees and the whoever else were doing at the time. It was a threat to their religions and their programmings that they were doing, right? But he's just showing this way of like freedom and people got so mad at it. But then what's so fucking interesting about humans is then we like later celebrate those people because, oh my gosh, they did something different. Or you watch these movies and people love the movies of like the underdog or the person that stood up to everyone and like some big strong male or female and they just kept trudging through while they're being shot at and when they're like they're crawling to the finish line and we're cheering them on and they're a hero they're a hero right but now they're like oh you're the bad person you're the black sheep yeah going against the grain but yet they'll go into a movie theater and cheer that exact fucking person on but in real life they don't want that person to exist or they'll celebrate that person 20 years later like oh my gosh they were such a like look at them and like if you want change in life or they're like you have to go against the tribal mentality you have to go out of tribe mind you have to and you have to stick with it if that's like your you know if you see that there's like hey guys this something's going on here there is a better way people don't like when you initially do that at all they just do not like it no it's threatening to them I don't know if it's threatening because they wish they could do it and deep down they don't think they can which everyone's capable of everything I do believe or yeah I think so you know it, it or it's a confidence thing or a whatever their childhood was like that they need more acceptance and yeah. more whatever but it, it is it's such an interesting thing and it's like for Jesus to be like 
so the one to rebel he was a re- he rebelled against everything to be like one of the most celebrated yeah. talked about person for the last 2000 plus years yeah is pretty interesting yeah so that being said let's go on to question number two beyond the, that noise of resistance fear what is the deepest calling that you can tune into of why your soul is bringing you to this particular journey at this particular time? I feel that, um, I mean, through my whole life, I've had a series of traumas and um, a, a horrible events happened to me. There was loss of a person or um, a family member, a friend or addictions, you know, things like that, where I just kind of, I, I'm like, I'm a suppressor. I, I suppress things. And then I'm like, oh, it's gone. I'm like, you know, oh, well, if I suppress and it. And her oh. body's like, no, it's yeah. not. And then, and then things happen to me where I'm like, oh, like, why is this happening? Or why am I repeating this problem? Or why, why am I smoking weed every single day for the past 15 years of my life and stuff like that? And it's like, oh, I just suppressing everything. And so Mm -hmm. it was finally time for me to address this. And I have since the beginning of this year been the most healthiest version of myself I've ever been, been the least chemically dependent upon things this year, uh, drank the least amount of alcohol and been more like, no, I'm going to do this because this is what's good for me. Cause I tend to be, I like tribe mentality. I like people to be like, we're a group and like, you know, we're all doing this together and stuff like that. But then you end up realizing you're like, oh shit, this isn't my energy. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if I even want this energy in my life. Or this isn't my belief system. This isn't my belief system anymore. And so it's like, you just end up going with the flow and then all of a sudden you're like what river am I on like why did how did I get to this point or something like that and I also feel that I I have a whole plethora of skills and abilities to my talents that I haven't even really developed yet and I have always been extremely intuitive um, my whole life I've um, and I used to just say like I used to tell people like oh I have magic powers like I used to just like kind of like make a joke of it mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I started getting older and I was like oh I think I maybe I talked to a medium or something like that and she was like oh you have you have the gift like you can read people's minds and you can do this stuff she's like you just didn't even know you were doing it and I was like what and she was like yeah like you know someone's going to say something and you know the answer to it before they even say it. Or you'll be like, oh, this, or somebody's going to talk to you about something and you you already know what they're going to talk to you about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you just, you know. And I was like, yeah, I do. And she was like, you're intuitive. You have this gift. Like you can, and I think she was, she told me that I was even, I could be clairvoyant at times and stuff like that, but I didn't really understand it. Or in the past few years, I've also had encounters where I've picked up on my friends in cities and towns completely far away and them being either in distress or 
going through some crazy transformation. Like um, one time I picked up on a girlfriend of mine in distress and I called her and I was like, what's going on? And she didn't answer me for a few days. And then I like pegged it out to the exact time. I was like, on this day, at this time, I got all these crazy thoughts and feelings that came out of nowhere. What was going on at this time? And my girlfriend was like, oh, that's crazy. I was in an argument and I was trying to like break up with my boyfriend. And she was like, that's crazy that you picked that up, picked that up because I literally didn't talk to her for days. And then I was just adamant about figuring out why I was having these thoughts. And so that was like one of the first times I think that happened. And then another time was when Sarah was actually on the land in Joshua Tree and she was doing this really super amazing healing ceremony process. She can talk about it as well after. And I just, all of a sudden, I, I started thinking about Sarah and I think I was maybe cleaning my house. I think a lot of the times when I get these things, I'm like cleaning the house or doing something where I don't. You're in a state of, I don't, they call it like meditation emotion. So you're doing something that puts you into a meditative state that then. Yeah taps you in right so you're in a state that I'm just like in a state where I'm not even really thinking about that much so my mind is actually pretty clear because I'm just like wipe wipe here rub Mm -hmm. rub there you know and and then all of a sudden I just started getting all these feelings of like like love and like warmth towards Sarah and I was just like in my head I was just like oh Sarah I was like I love Sarah and I was like Sarah bear and I was like wait I was like She's like a Care Bear, but Sarah Bear. And I was like, I wonder if anybody's ever called her that. And then, and then I kind of sat with it for a little while. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to text her this because that's what I usually do is I, I usually rationalize with myself. Mm-hmm. When my intuition comes in, I start rationalizing mm-hmm. and then I'll take myself away from it and be like, oh no, it's this or that or whatever. And then I'm usually pretty upset with myself for not following my intuition because mm-hmm. it's spot on. And I was like, I'm just going to message her. And so I messaged her and I was like, has anybody ever called you Sarah Bear before? Question mark. And then she was just like, whoa, like a few minutes or 20 minutes or something after I had Texas. And she was like, crazy story. I'll tell you in a little bit. And she was like, but yes. And thank you. Like you just confirmed Mm -hmm. some crazy things for me. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Like, all right. You know, because at first, like, you know, when you're reading people's minds or doing things or, or tapping into spirits, you're like, that was weird. Mm-hmm. And then it's only really after you process it, that things happen to you, or you're like, oh, it like confirms things. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can go down this path a little bit more and kind of like dig deeper and see what other part of this gift that I have. And The other one is um, I have people who have passed away have come to me in dreams to give me messages. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen uh, other loved ones of like uh, one time my my uncle um, and we've just been talking about this this week. um, My uncle came to me in a dream and it was so crazy real. And then I like look to my left and I saw this like older lady 
sitting at this like picnic bench. It was my uncle and my aunt and my cousin and his wife and their daughters. And then I saw this older woman and I was like, who is that? And I was like, I haven't seen that lady in a really long time. After my, when I woke up, I was like, oh, that was my aunt's mom. I was Mm. like, she passed away when I was five years old. Like I haven't seen this lady since I was maybe like five years old. And so I was like putting it together after the fact, because my uncle was, had passed away and I was talking to him and I was like, how are you? How have you been? And he was telling me about heaven. And he was like, Hey, it's great. They treat me really good here. I, I, they feed me really well. I'm really happy. And I was like, you look so good. And he was like, I'm so happy. I'm just doing really good. And then he, he better be, yeah. it would be shit. If he was like, heaven sucks. I know. He was like, uh, it sucks. That's here. the worst here. The worst food. Yeah. And so, um, I was like standing there and he, he was like very adamant that he had to give me this message. And he was like, Amal, and that means like, you know, uncle, like in Middle Eastern culture, like you, I say dad, and my dad will say dad back to me. So if I say Amal, that means uncle, he'd be like, yeah, Amal, and he would say that back to me. So he's like, Amal, he's like, there's going to be a time in your life when you have to make a choice. And nobody's going to understand it and it doesn't matter. You still have to make the choice and you're going to be the only person that understands what this choice is. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I was just like, well, at first I called my, my brother, my cousin, or I text him. And I was like, I saw your dad in a dream last night. He came to me. He wanted me to give you guys a message. And they were kind of like, okay you know it's kind of like when when you you say something like that they're like okay it's kind of like weary at at first but I was like look he said he's doing really well and he's like you know he's I was like what I interpret from this is that he's actually there with you guys right now on your camping trip you guys just can't see him like he's literally with you guys and then I sat with the the message for a little while and I was just so confused but how long ago was that? It was last year. Mm. It was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the dreams where people come to be are so crazy, crystal clear. And I'm so like alert in the dream there. I, I do lucid dreaming as well. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, whoa, I was like, this wasn't a dream. This was a message. And so I get these messages. And so I'm just really also like, need to tap into the fact that I have these really special and rare gifts. And I want to see if doing this work on myself and clearing out this stuff inside of me is going to allow me to have more space to just get the messages and get the downloads and get the dream, you know, get, you know, the dream messages when they come to me, because I don't think I've had one since then, but I've been on a more clear path Mm -hmm. since that point so I feel like I am like approaching the gate to open these things more and so that is what I'm most excited to do and go on this journey for Mm -hmm. and you're going to be with a lot of really powerful people that um, yeah and Sarah's actually one of the people who really helped me the most we've actually helped each other a lot Mm -hmm. during this since the beginning of the pandemic Sarah was like I'm going to become a quantum healer or we were like, I was like, you're my shaman. 
And then, you know, people would be like, shamans aren't real. And I'd be like, okay, well, I call her my shaman. Um, that, you know, she's a quantum healer and, you know, all this stuff. And I would be like, she would tell me something. And then I would be like, well, I'm, I'm seeing that from this way. And she would be like, oh, whoa. Like, I didn't even think about it that way. And, mm-hmm. and then she would tell me like, well, I'm getting this from you. And she would do these, um, she started learning how to do crystal healing and stuff like that. And she started telling me all of these amazing things about myself that I kind of felt like I knew, but I didn't really know. And through light language and stuff like that, like at first I was just like, all right, what's she saying? But the first time she did it, I almost started crying because I literally knew exactly everything she was saying to me. And I thought that that was just so wild of a concept that I could be understanding her. But the messages that my ancestors, they're giving me really strong messages and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I feel like it's my duty to go forward and to do this. And I owe it to not only myself, but I owe it to all them. And I owe it to my star family Mm -hmm. and to the world. Yeah. To do this work. And I'm going to go do it. You're going to go do it. I mean, that is the thing of like our ancestors. If you think about it, like their legacy is us, right? So that's like such a fucking honor. And like, if we're coming to this life and we're supposed to be their legacy and we're just being pieces of shits, laying on couches, not doing anything with ourselves, like that they didn't work hard to have us be lame. Yeah, this privileged, lazy little fucking They worked hard to- continue their ultimate legacy like yeah you could start a business and have that be your legacy but it's probably going to die at some point it's probably going to die out right your legacy is your lineage right and we are here especially in this time and space to be healing our ancestral lineages and wounds and you know curses and patterns and all this stuff like we are here to break the chain and make a new and by like I say by healing the future you're healing the past right so the more healing you do that ensures a healing and a happier and a healthier future it is rippling through because in time is non-linear and in the quantum field everything is happening all at the same time you are circling it back and and healing the timeline and the thread of everything and you really do have the power to do that and are you going to continue the the chain, you know, are you going to break the chain and it's up to you and it can be up to anybody, or are you going to just like throw away this life, throw away your lineage? You know what I mean? And like, just kill the fucking great, great grandfather's dream, you know, or yeah. like something just cause you're being a piece of shit and you don't want to do the work. Um, I have talked about that on the show of the ceremony that we did on, um, on the land. It was a year ago where you did text me about my grandfather and, or that, and it text me about being Sarah bear. And my father was the only one that ever called me Sarah bear, but who came through to me on that medicine journey the night before was my grandfather who I'd never met before I came into this world. And so for him, and you weren't the first person that called me Sarah bear that day, like someone had just called me Sarah bear, like 20 minutes prior. Yeah. And that was to show that was giving the message that where, where I was feeling what was happening was confirmation of what was happening. And yeah, she is very tuned in and I'm excited as she gets around even more people that are um, really doing the work and very dedicated and passionate about their gifts um, to have you meet them and so open your, and there's just, there's no distraction on the land and it's really powerful 
it's a really powerful place that you just like, it just opens you up. And yeah. Yeah. For me going into this and why I've really been called to this one, regardless if they came and asked me to be the sound healer was I was going to go if that happened or if it didn't happen. And I'm like on the, the external like the external part about it is, and what I've really been kind of sorting through is healing the, the out, the external feminine and the feminine relationships. And I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive of like trailing back of why I'm like, have always been more of a guy's girl. I'm like really a lot more comfortable in a room full of men than I am with a room full of women. And to be honest, women scare the living shit out of me. You're a guy's girl. I'm a guy's girl. Oh God. I hate guys, girls. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. I'm a girl's girl. Yeah. Not a girl's girl. I don't trust girls are like, I only have guy friends. I'm like, I mean, but I don't only have guy friends, (laughs) but I'm just energetically, I'm a lot more comfortable hanging out. Dudes are fucking chill. They're chill. And they don't play I mean they do play games if you're in a fucking relationship (laughs) with them but if you're not in a relationship with them they don't play games they're pretty straight fucking forward they can just chill and like actually take the piss and have a really good time yeah and this is actually one reason why I like honestly could never be a lesbian Mm. because like girls things it's way too much for me like yeah the drama and the the like cattiness and the stabbing each other in the back and the talking shits and like but I like I take it back and like when I was when I was in third grade but it's true when I was in third grade I went to this new school and I was friends with these girls and throughout elementary school third to like sixth grade there was like a group of us and we were like the popular ones right so like my experience in school of the popular people weren't like that it was like the high school experience in elementary school because once we got to high school we didn't what the like movies portray and stuff, we were evolved past that. Oh God, like I where we like... were all friends, but this, all that weird catty, weird shit that people do. We did that in elementary school from third grade to sixth grade, right? Oh. So like you would come to school one day and you wouldn't know if the group decided that all of a sudden everyone fucking hated you and you had to go sit at a fucking lunch table by yourself because you're out of the fucking group and then they would all write the different colored pen letters back and forth and fold them up and pass them around all talking shit about you yeah yeah and then what's so fucking abusive about this is then one day you were back in and they hated someone else and then they just got casted out yeah yeah and it was so like uneasy and so fucked up yeah that that just made me be like, okay, I need friends. So I'm going to stay in this friendship circle, but I don't fucking trust these people. Yeah. Right. We used to call it the, I don't know you game. And we would just be like, oh, if this person did something that like our group of friends didn't like, like we were like all like, you know, like whatever we'd be like, let's pretend like we don't know this person today. And then we would just like, they'd be like, hey guys. And we would all like turn our backs to them. Or we would be so like, so fucked up. I mean, now like thinking back, so I mean, it's abusive. like so horrible. So horrible. But back then we were, you know, as long as you weren't the one that we didn't know you, like you thought it was freaking hilarious. Cause you'd watch this person a bitch. suffering like in front of you. And then they'd go sit like by themselves or have to go eat lunch with people who like was in our group. And you'd be like, oh, look at so-and-so over there. Like, and it was just be like- So oh, mean, I know. so I wrong. Like, I grew up like literally the same year as Mean Girls came out. So like oh. that was, I think like, yeah, we were kind of like mean girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my elementary school experience. So I feel like that really um, 
kind of shaped that for me. Mm. So then when I would cut, come home from school, I had my one like guy friend neighbor that him and I would just play and we'd play like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, 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 like GI Joe and like really just like, you know, Legos and stuff. And then I would have to go to school to this like freaking like minefield. And then I could like come home and just be like normal and chill. And I just had a brother. So like, I think it like even goes back further of like my uncle once made these bunk bunk beds at the cabin. And he said that only the boys could sleep on the top bunk. And I thought that was so fucked up. And then, so from that point on, I like started like trying to like do everything that the boys could do. Oh, right. So like I mastered like peeing, standing up in the toilet. Uh, and then apparently I that's when, a phase, like all girls are like, I'm yeah. going to try to pee standing up. And then right. like, this is difficult. I'm just going to say it. No, but kidding. then I like apparently wouldn't let other girls in the neighborhood use the bathroom in my house unless they peed standing up. Oh, like they carry on the abuse. You carry on the abuse on other kids. Totally. You have to be you a boy have to now. Do it now. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like, and then I went through some trauma when I was 16 and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but like I made some wrong decisions and then all my girlfriends, like basically anything I told them and secretly told someone else, they wouldn't stand behind me during certain things because they are either scared of the people that wanted to kick my ass or they what the fuck ever I don't know and so like once again like I went back to like not being able to trust the females in my life and then I did some other fucked up things that you know uh I wasn't a good person in I wasn't a good female either to other females and so upon like meeting everyone on the land and being brought into this community at Joshua Tree it's really started to heal my feminine in first and foremost and my relationships with the feminine because they already do so much work with the feminine so the men go off and do work with the masculine and the female do work with the feminine and ama and santos who own the home and do run these retreats santos does has a group of people that he they co-facilitate a men's retreat and they'll do it a couple weeks before the women and go in and do the women's retreat. And um, I had a really beautiful moment over Thanksgiving where the women, we, we were doing a thing called a rage release circle. Mm. And um, it was put on by one of the sisters. And uh, I don't know if you're gonna uh, meet Alice or not. She's had a baby. So I don't know if she's going to be showing up at a, or not throughout the weekend, but she's one of the actual like founders of Roar oh, wow. and a part of the whole, like her and Ama were the, the original ones to start all this together, but she uh, led the circle. And then Santos, Ama's husband, he held the space of the masculine while the woman did this work to just make sure everyone was safe and okay. And what the re rage release ceremony circle or whatever you want to call it, I called it anger management, <laughs> um, was you began by uh, doing these things where like you had to dig a hole in the ground and you had to scream into the earth and you had to like, we did something else. I don't really remember what. And then he like set up all these stations that you would go around and just like fucking break shit. And you nice. would take these huge ass bats and you could like, just like crack open a bucket. And like, you could like take this and just like chuck little rocks at a big rock and they would go like exploding. And like, so you have a bunch of women yeah. running around screaming. And I felt so tribal at that time. I was like, I looked across and like, 
Ama and Ava come like running from somewhere and Ava's screaming and Ama's doing something. And all of a sudden I just got flashbacks that we like pillaged a village once, right? Like just like, ah, or like, I don't know. We, like, we were doing something as like warrioresses, like, I don't know, in some other timeline. So anyway, so we're doing all this. And what's funny is that day, like I was actually in a really good mood. So I had nothing to like, I wasn't like rageful about anything. I was actually like having like a really good day. Ah. And so I just did it. I like went all out for it to hold the space for the people that really needed to really like release some stuff. So I just like went next level just to keep the energy going. And I look over and one of our brothers was standing like far away and he was just standing in prayer. And while we were doing this and I was like, wow, Issei is like not leaving. And he is just holding space for us. And he was like far enough away to not infringe on our energy or our boundaries. Um, Cause someone asked if we wanted to let the men in to do this as well. And as a collective, the women are like, no, we would feel safer. And we just want only the women to do it besides obviously Santos. Cause he wasn't doing it. He was just facilitating. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, another brother comes up and stands with Issei and stands in prayer and holds space for us. And they legitimately stood there the entire fucking time that we were doing this ceremony and just holding space. And there was something in me, like I kept like looking up and it was like the little girl in me or something like, they're not leaving. They're not leaving. Like, holy shit, they're not leaving. Like, they're staying. They're holding space. They're staying. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, and it was like this little part of me, like, just kept like looking back, like, holy shit, they're still there. Like, they're being like stoic fucking men just standing there holding the space for the women. And it was the most profound fucking healing and experience that I've had in a really long time where I was like, I needed that. Mm. Like, I needed to see that, that men are even capable of that. Mm. And so something really shifted in me really deeply after that. And what I realized is I went through a whole healing with the, my interaction. And this is like kind of never ending as of now. I mean, it'll probably end and the, the healing will probably like conclude at some point, but like through many of the different relationships that I've had in my life that just weren't um, the best for me and they didn't yeah. really honor me. Um, and, you know, that goes back to, I think I've talked about on here, like my whole value and working through that recently and just never really had having a masculine to really step up into my life and step up for me. Um, that that was huge. And then I saw that once that little part in me like kind of healed, I was like, oh, this is why, cause everyone would be like, I can't believe you haven't gone to a woman's retreat yet. And I was like, it just, it wasn't time. I wasn't meant to be there. Yeah. And I was like, but now that I've like healed, like had this little masculine side healing and so much more has happened from Thanksgiving till now we're in the uh, middle of April to healing with the masculine and the masculine in me is that I was like, I had to heal a part of the masculine first to now show up for the feminine. Mm. And then it became really apparent. Like, I was like, you guys, I feel it the next retreat. Like, I really feel I meant to be there. Like I'm, I'm ready to step up into the feminine. So we take that one step further. And, um, being that I moved out here at 20 years old and I've lived in LA, like basically kind of by myself on and off for the last 22 years. Yeah. 
give or take pockets. I went, I went back to Minneapolis and when I was in a relationship out here, but I was playing more of the masculine in that relationship and coming out here at 20 years old, just a fresh little pup coming into a city where I had a few friends that I grew up dancing with, but basically like on my own, right. I don't have any family here. Yeah. I had to step into that masculine side of me and, and work from the place of the masculine just to survive. Yeah. Right. So I really, in my own masculine feminine in my body, I really had to operate for decades now out of the masculine. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to tap into the feminine because I had to survive if I wanted to stay here. And even in my marriage, if I look back at that, like I was playing, even though I would try to give him the masculine roles, I still had to play the masculine. Like I really didn't believe there were certain times, like if something was to happen that he was even capable of like being the fucking man. Right. Like I always felt like I had to like be the fucking man in the situations. Right. Of just even like perceptive of, are we safe? Are da, 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 you know, if everything crumbles. I'm going to have to fucking start working out of my masculine and holding a bunch of jobs or doing this, or what's the escape route or, you know, just like different stuff. And, um, yeah. And then in a healing that I had a few months ago is she was like, you really need to start stepping into the feminine. And that's when things are going to start flowing into your life is working from that feminine space. And that was like really hard for me. And she's like, you have to start receiving. And I'm like, God, receiving's really hard. Like there's a control in giving, right? There's a control in I was paying for stuff. And then where my life has put me recently is like, is like a learn of like, surrender and receive and receive help has been really, really, really challenging for me, but so necessary to step back into that softness and to that receptivity and that flow and also being a um, generator human design type, I'm supposed to work out of that. I'm not supposed to work out of a masculine um, energy. I'm supposed to work out of a feminine energy and build stuff and then sit back and allow it to come through to Mm me. But then also I posted this on Instagram the other day, but I wanted to read it because then this was another little integral part that came in and it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting too. And it says, you get the best version of me when I feel safe around you. If I'm not soft or submissive with you, I don't trust you. My femininity flourishes in healthy environments. I protect that version of me because I've spent so much time healing and preserving that version of me. And I was like, wow, that's so actually true. So like, if you're not getting the feminine me, like, and you're getting a masculine me, that means like, I don't trust you. I don't feel safe around you. I don't feel like you can hold the space. I, you know what I mean? I don't feel like you can take control, but I'm really yearning to heal sisterhood, heal those wounds from third grade on, right. Heal that trust between women. And then also go deeper in healing my feminine myself and start really bringing that more forward and operating from that space and not this like warrior masculine because we don't need to do that anymore yeah so the last question is then we can wrap this up what are some of your deepest heart's desires and what are your what are you yearning for at this time in your life I would love we're going to bring that question for sure back in a couple weeks because I want to see if it changes but do you have anything that comes to your mind now as we I mean I think I kind of like talked about it in my last in my last answer, my, my deepest desires are, yeah, I'm, I really want to see like how far I can go with my talents and my gifts and stuff, because 
I, I'm a manifester. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this out through our friend. Kimberly. Yep. And she just mentioned it this morning. She did. Yeah. She's like, Tammy's a manifester. She needs to go out there and get all the things. I know. And yeah. so, and so the thing is, is that, um, I have, um, I have a husband who supports me and who takes care of me and does a lot of things for me. But in doing that, I kind of took the back seat and I kind of just was like, okay, well, I'm happy with this life and I'm, and I'm, and I'm comfortable with the things that I have. And then I realized like, I do want more. I want to achieve more. I want to work more. I want to work so hard. I want to develop my talents. I want to develop my skills, just like the piano. I feel like I have so much in me that's left to like, I, I, I have so much to learn. And I, I just, I feel so hungry for life and for creating just more art, more passion, helping other people to inspire them to know that like, Hey, I can work on myself and I've gone through all of this stuff in my life. And I, and I didn't let it stop me from achieving the things that I wanted to achieve and to go forward and just really like manifest these amazing things. And I feel like, like people, I manifestation has become like such a thing, especially since like the pandemic, like, you know, you go on Instagram or whatever, maybe because I'm clicking on the things like, like this, it's like, Oh, if you want to manifest this, do this in your life. You want to, and a lot of people are just like, Oh, like I, it's for like superficial things. Like, Oh, like I want a car or I want a money or I want, you know, I want a money. I want a money. (laughs) I want a money. I want a billion money. A money. Um, but like, you know, it can be used for the wrong thing. And which is like anything in life, you know, it's possible, but like, and I, I never knew I was a manifester. I just thought that like, Oh, the things that I really want always come true in life. Like, Oh, if I believed in something and I just like believed in it, it would happen. And so I would be like, Oh, it's really crazy. Like if I really think so hard enough on a certain subject, like it comes true. And everyone was like, Oh, like that's weird. Or that's crazy or something like that. But I just, and then it was when I started working at Pache and she like did the human design mm-hmm. and she was like, you're a manifester. And I was like, I know. And she was like, I was like, oh, I mean, but that's what I am. And she's like, yeah, you are like, it's, and it's one of the rare ones. And I was like, yeah, I've, everything I've really ever wanted in life, like came true. And she's like, that's because you manifested it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, well, what else can I manifest, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But then at times I don't. And I think the thing is, is like, you let doubt creep in or you let like, you know, those lower vibrations and things are, or maybe a comment that somebody has said to you Mm -hmm. about like, you want to go for something in life. And then somebody interjects their doubt into you and it's like been injected. And now you're vibrating at a lower frequency because you're like oh you know maybe I am stupid or silly to want this and one of the things that I'm doing right now in my life is I started taking acting lessons from a private acting coach um I had like a a lot of things happen to me and I was just like had a serious conversation with myself and I was like what do you really want in life like what is something that you wanted really bad but you just never went for like the piano because my whole life for some reason, I just felt like I would be good at the piano. And I never really had a reason why, but also people would look at my hands and be like, 
oh, you have piano hands. You should play the piano. And I'd be like, I do. And they're like, yeah, you have really long fingers and you can like stretch your hands really wide. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I was like, I feel like I would play the piano well. And they were like, why don't you learn? I'm like, okay, well, I need to buy a piano. And I need to have enough time to sit and either go and take lessons or teach myself. And if I was working or doing things or, you know, I didn't have time to just sit down and teach myself Mm -hmm. how to do something. But also there's that belief that I always just had in myself. And I was never like, no, you can't learn the piano. I was always like, no, I really feel like I would be great at it. And I just... But like, I just need the time and I need the space to mm-hmm. be able to do these things. And so I sat down with myself and I was like, Tammy, what if, what if you really wanted in life that you just like never went for? And I was like, honestly, it is acting. And I don't want to be like, oh, it's like so cliche. Like you live in LA and you want to be an actress and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I didn't move here to make this happen. I'm from Southern California. I've lived here my whole I mean, life. Even if you did. Even if I did. Even if you did. It's like, even if who I cares did. if it's cliche? If it's in your heart and it's a calling. Yeah. You can't just deny your heart because if something's a fucking cliche, you yeah. know, it's like, that's your heart. It's telling you something. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just like, I'm going for it now. And I'm not doubting myself. I'm just, I'm allowing myself time and space to work through certain things that I need to work through and I'm going for it. And I'm really just wanting to develop my personal skills and talents, whatever they might be in whatever form and however way they might go. Like that is my deepest heart's desire is to just become more masterful at my skills. You know, what's interesting is that you've been operating so out of the feminine that you've been lopsided too deeply in the feminine, Yeah. right? Um, that you're being called to step more into the masculine Yeah. and a manifester, their energy should be um, operating more out of how a masculine energy operates to get what you yeah. are getting, right? Yeah. To get what you want or whatever. And that's the thing is like, I always knew like, I always had to be working or doing something to manifest things in life. Like in the past, however many years, I didn't really manifest anything, but I also was never actively taking steps to go towards it. So Mm -hmm. now I'm telling the universe, I'm like, Hey, I'm working at this. I'm ready. I want to go for this. And now that's when the universe has always been like, Oh, Hey guys, she's doing it. Let's go give her the thing that she wants, you Mm -hmm. know, because I was working towards it. And now I'm finally reworking towards it. And like, you know, like I want to make large sums of money. I want to provide I want to be able to be financially free. I want to be able to support my family, um, to be, you know, in case of an emergency, have some sort of like fallback and not just be like, oh no, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do if this happens? Like, am I going to have to rely on my father or my husband, you know, for money to to get me through things my whole life? Like, no, I want to be the one I'm going to do this. And I feel like, I always knew that at 35, which is the age I'm at right now, that I was going to have a drastic change in my life, but I never knew what it was going to be. But now I feel like, oh, this is it. Mm -hmm. And so I am just so excited. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is like, um, I stopped dreaming for a long time and kind of like the fallout from the divorce and 
then like when before I got divorced, going back and working at a restaurant that I worked at in my early 20s and the kick and blow that did to my ego and to everything of like senior peers. And now like this is where my life's at. I'm like with some guy who, you know, can't even help support me to like take a minute off and go in the direction I want to go and that I have to end up back at a restaurant that I worked at when I first came to LA and like and then when I needed to get out of that then like everything that came out of that it's like it's so interesting because the um I saw this high priestess she's the last high priestess from an Inca tribe in that in the Andes she's a shaman amazing I don't know if I've ever talked about this story on here, but um, she was like three feet tall. She was so fucking little Tiny. and she spoke her native language. And then a lady was with her, translated it from her language to Spanish. And then another girl was in the room who translated it from Spanish to English. Yeah. So then if I asked a question, it had to go from translation to translation to translation. And so it was a coca leaf reading. And so in the middle of the reading, I don't remember like what I, what was like the first question I asked her. She said to me, do you have a little girl? And I said, no. And I thought about Maley at the time. She's like, oh, cause she stands on your left side. And I thought about Maley at the time. And I just, there was some things I held back in talking about because I didn't know how, if it would get lost in translation. Mm. And if like, it just, it was too long. Like I didn't want to like take time up by saying something that was just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was the hard thing about having a reading with someone who like speaks like two languages away. Right. Yeah. And so then I'm, she, I don't remember how it went, but like, she was like, well, I'm like, no, she's like, she kind of like told me, and this is at the end, this is November of 2019. And then she told me that I was going to like, basically long story short, I was going to be pregnant by October, November of 2020. Mm. And then I would have first have this baby girl. And I have had my children visit me. Um, they actually, I hadn't seen them in a while and they came back the other week and they were gone for like years, but she did. So I was like, well, I'm not with anyone. Like really, like I was having relations with someone in a very dysfunctional factor, which I'm not going to go into. And I didn't want to like say that to her because she seemed so like innocent and pure shaman lady. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, doing something that's like not the healthiest here of who I'm like hooking up with. And so, cause she's like, well, let it see. Like if, you know, she's like, well, you know, and she's old, she's like a hundred years old or something or 90 or hundred. And she's like, well, you can't have a child if you don't have a mate. Right. Mm. And even though like you can, I wouldn't really actually do that route myself, but so she lays, this is the point of the story. She lays down the coca leaves and they, one of them like crossed a certain way. And then over here, like was the rest of the coca leaves like fanned out. But what was right in front of me was like a block. And she looked at it weird. And the translation came through that there's like a block. And that basically what they're saying is over here, this is a bountiful, like full life. But right in front of you is like completely, there's nothing. Like oh, it's wow. just a dead life. And being of what I was involved with at the time, like, and that I didn't feel like telling them that whole thing either, like she was right. And that's always stuck with me that if I stayed this certain course with this certain person, unless things were to totally change and they were to like step up more into my life, it's a dead fucking life. And that over here, if I just shift over, there's a whole life waiting for me. Mm. And I stayed in the dead life 
for so long until like I started literally feeling like I was dying and that there was like becoming nothing left. Like I was just getting so skinny and I was just withering away and I was so depressed and I had no more dreams and everything looked gray and everything looked bleak and everything I did was drab. And I just going back to this restaurant and working and I'm involved in this situation. Like that's just fucking dead end. You know, like there's no life to it. There's no life to anything that I'm doing. Right. Mm. And I would just keep coming back to that, like coca leaf reading and the symbology of like, if you just turn over here, there's life. If you stay right here, it's dead. Mm. So then she, she was confused. So she reshuffled the, the leaves. And that's when she's like, there's a man that's going to come in and blah, 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 and you're going to be pregnant by the end of this year. What ironically is, I don't know if she factored in the pandemic, but then everything shut down and then I'm alone mm. in my house. So like that was that timeline. It was no longer going to happen because who am I going to be where? Yeah. Right. So I just kind of like let that go anyway and let life be life. But like ever since, you know, I left Pache and I've been doing all this really deep work on many different things when it comes to abundance I've been fully challenged in that area to let go of old stories and old programs and really find my strength and face my fears um, and just holding on to my dreams and that sound healing and quantum healing and doing voiceover. And I love it so much. And I'm getting so many auditions and my new agents like fucking amazing. And I'm so grateful every day to like be doing something that I absolutely love and that I get to go and do my sound healing for a, you know, a, a retreat of like 30 women who I think I only know a quarter of the people that are coming. Yeah. And um, I've had other amazing things surrounding that and that I get to like, I am like living my life as I've always wanted to live it right now. And I feel like I'm finally starting to dream again. Like how I walk in these neighborhoods with Maley and I look at these houses and like my scarcity old scared mindset or just dead life would be like, I'll never be able to live in a house in LA and it's too expensive and whatever. And like my new me is like, or my new old me, because I would dream like that when I was young and lived here is like, I'm that girl's coming back of like, oh, like, you know, I've never really wanted a house. And now I'm like, no, it'd be nice to like have a yard and I could have like, have a teepee in it or, you know, have like a space to do outdoor healing and like have this space and even a bigger living room to have people come over for a sound bath. Cause I have people come over now, like once a month and I could fit about maybe 18 people tops, Mm. 16, 18, but I don't know. And just like how, like have my like castle, you know, and have like a beautiful fucking healthy counterpart of a man to be in my life. You know what I mean? Who's willing to do the work and willing to heal. Like they don't need to be perfect. They just need to be like open to healing so we can co-create really beautiful things instead of staying in our, you know, wounded selves and from trauma responses and where we're just like fucking beating each other up and just causing more pain onto the pain because we're unconsciously working from a very unhealthy place. And I'm being 42, like, I'm like, okay, still the child thing is like an open door. I haven't closed that door yet. Um, Do I want to bring them into this world right now as we know it? I'm not really sure this little funky, but then I do believe like we'll create whatever life we're going to create. And they're going to be super star seed fucking rock star awesomenesses. They're going to be so next level. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And just to keep like allowing, like I've been watching Chef's Table again. I love that show. And I'm like, gosh, I want to go like travel the world again and eat at Michelin star restaurants. And yeah. because it's so amazing 
like the stuff that they do, right? And like the creativity and the passion. I love Chef's Table because they, they go into like their history of like how they got inspired for things, right? Yeah. And just like to go, I, I just, I want life again. Like I'm ready to have life again. And I, because of the pandemic and everything else, like I've probably, no, I've hundred percent been the most, I don't even want to say it out loud, but broke I've ever been in my life. And that's rapidly changing. And so that's like put a different spin on everything for me of like, how, what am I buying? How am I buying it? But then it also is this very limiting, like you can't do this, can't do that. Yeah. But my scarcity mindset when I was younger wouldn't allow me to do that. So to even see that when I did have things to do it, I had such a scarcity mindset that I told myself I couldn't do it. And now I legitimately can't do it. And now I'm like, oh, but we can. Yeah. Right. So I think I'm just, I'm really open. And I told you like last week or the week before, like I'm looking at going into this retreat as kind of like my funeral, yeah. as my funeral of an old way of being, an old way of living, an old self who like wasn't fully confident or didn't have full value, didn't have boundaries, didn't have people come in, even friends, like, and just kind of let people let them do whatever they wanted and railroad. And, you know, worked at jobs that didn't fully give me the value that in payment yeah. that I deserve. And I'm open to now let be showered in abundance and whatever that comes to is like, what life can I create? Yeah. And I feel like I'm starting to be able to dream again. Yeah. And it's been like pretty much, I feel like a very long time since I've fully been able to dream. Yeah. I, I completely stopped dreaming for like years and it was until I stopped smoking weed in February of this year that I started having dreams again and I was like oh thank god because now I can get the messages and get the downloads and get things and and like I get like you know people come to me in my dreams and if I'm like stoned all the time I'm not getting the, the message mm -hmm. and so I think dreams are just so important because it's like literally leads you to have aspirations it's like because sometimes you have a dream and you're like oh my god that was so cool it felt so real and then you're like I'm gonna do it and then you're like doing your dreams mm -hmm. yeah to dreaming to dreaming so we're gonna end this here and uh we'll be back on this episode in about uh let's say like two weeks two weeks I think two weeks is a good shot I'm gonna be on the land for a week and yeah then you we'll come back here process and, uh do some city integration and then we'll see you on the other side